Now it's Just Plane Radio. Yeah. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I can fly. Take me to the Brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. It's your lucky day. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. You got a plane. Call Just Plane Radio toll free now at 888-884-2FLY. And the sky's the limit. That's 888-884-2359. Sir? I'd like you to take the helm, please. I'd be glad to. Greg, your co-pilot, that's me along with Captain Dennis. We are your crew today as we navigate the latest aviation news and information here on Just Plane Radio, the show devoted to the aviation lifestyle and learning to fly. All right, so I'm surprised we didn't talk about this last week, but we have some really interesting news, a couple little tidbits that will make you a better, well, at least a better passenger, a more informed passenger, uh, so to speak. Now, I was almost caught in the middle of this, and... This involves Thomas Cook Airlines. It went out of business. Uh, I guess it's, what, been a couple weeks now. But it kind of caught everybody off guard, unless you're really close to the company. And um, I actually was very close to booking a ticket on them that I was going to travel to uh, here literally in a couple weeks. And uh, we ended up taking a different route and not using Thomas Cook. Thank God, because obviously we're in the United States. And I don't think I would have been covered under this, uh, I don't know, uh, governmental insurance thing or whatever they're trying to do to get all their uh, U.K. folks uh, repatriated back to the U.K. Is that right, uh, Dennis? Is that what you've been hearing? Yeah, that's what I've been seeing. I mean, Thomas Cook is much bigger than just an airline. I mean, they're a huge uh, holiday organizer. I mean, they they will do everything, soup to nuts, hotel reservations, the the flights, the whole bit. And so... Um, yeah, the U- the UK government has imposed a, I think it's like a two and a half dollar fee on any holiday travel that you do when you're going through a tour organizer like that. And that money gets put into a fund to cover, uh, you know, unfortunate events like this. If that tour operator was to become insolvent, like we're seeing what happened with Thomas Cook. And, yeah. uh, so now they're, they're chartering airlines, uh, you know, airplanes, they're bringing in A380s and loading them up. And it's surprising the scope of it. I think they said over 150,000 British citizens are currently on holiday and are affected by the flights, you know, being canceled. So, well, what about those 150,000 uh, people that have been left stranded? <laughs> what about those folks like me, though, that are not UK residents? If I would have been stranded on Thomas Cook, from what I understand, I think I'd be left to my own, um, you know, hope that maybe I had a credit card or travel insurance that would cover me. But I don't think I'd be covered under that whole. Uh, atoll thing or whatever that they have in the uk is that right well it, do you know it depends on how your your itinerary was you know maybe at worst case maybe it would get you back to london heathrow or wherever your connection was that would get you back onto uk territory and you might be on your own for the the last leg but hmm. it sounded like from the, you know the articles i've read is that they are really working well with you know anybody no matter what nationality to you know basically get them back onto a a flight uh, not necessarily the same flight number, but in many cases, the same flight time and maybe even the same airplane because they were able to wet lease the plane and, you know, basically meet the schedule obligations for the next two weeks in order to get people back. Well, I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of that, and they're saying that it's well beyond the fund that they were collecting for and that the folks in the U.K. are going to end up having to supplement this with some kind of tax thing or something. But who knows how it all works out. The The moral of this story I think for any traveler or any passenger is to make sure you have travel insurance. I have a special policy that actually covers uh, my dive accident 
insurance and also rolls into a dive travel package, an annual package that I pay, I don't know, three to 500 bucks, depending on how much you travel, but it covers all my, um, you know, dive accident stuff. That's a little bit more, uh, you know, specific, obviously to scuba diving activities, but it also is a, a basic travel package like lost baggage and stuff like that. And, you know, if your connection, you miss a connection, they'll put you up in a hotel and you're covered for that and all that kind of stuff. So little peace of mind, you know, as opposed to just buying, you know, insurance on your airline ticket every time you make a purchase. Uh, you know, that mine kind of rolls into an annual program like that. There's a bunch of them out there. The one I use is called DiveAssure.com. So if you're a scuba diver, it it will work for travel as well as snorkeling and stuff like that. So, you know, you, you could consider that even if you're not a hardcore diver yourself. But there's, you know, there's a few options out there. And I, I definitely encourage it. I, I travel enough to know uh, that, that uh, you know, the airlines have been getting worse and worse. And if you don't have some kind of, you know, coverage, whether it's through the credit card you purchase or the additional insurance you you purchase on an airline ticket, uh, you're pretty much uh, screwed. So be prepared to eat it uh, if you don't, uh, you know, do that peace of mind. So I it kind of sucks. I hate having to, you know, buy that extra insurance when I, I purchase an airline ticket. I mean, I, I don't know how it applies, for instance, like to GA. That's a, just another reason why it's way better to just fly yourself. But if you were, uh, you know, flying private, I guess that would still apply somewhat, you know, to if you were purchasing, you know, uh, like a commuter jet service, uh, you know, type of thing, you think? Or I don't know. I guess you'd have to look at your policy, right, Dennis? You would. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, getting a, a you know, commuter airline flight, that's still an airline flight. Uh, you know, for GA, I don't think they're going to reimburse me if I have a problem and the Mooney doesn't get there on time because of weather delays and things like that. Right. But if the so, bachelor, if he was scheduled to be my pilot uh, on a private, you know, charter, so to speak, across the country, and uh, all of a sudden he gets called away on a, you know, fantasy sweet date and he can't conduct the flight and they have to cancel my flight. It could happen. Well, but in that case, you bought a ticket with an operator and yeah, your insurance probably would kick in. Yeah. And you better share a few secrets with me and, you know, like what happened uh, behind closed doors. That's just kind of creepy. I know, but it's just it's something that you'd think they'd give up uh, for that. Yeah. You know, Peter is the new bachelor. Uh, so that's coming soon. We're following the progress of that accordingly here at Just Plain Radio. All right. Well, so. You what? might be following it. I have no interest. Only because <laughs> my wife and daughter are making me watch the show. All right. So right. the other thing we have to uh, educate our folks about today is about uh, hopefully a trend that I think will catch on, but it's starting in Japan. Is that right? Correct. Japan Airlines has just updated their reservation. And, you know, when you go to pick your seat assignment, you know, you can, you can usually see what seats are booked. Right. already and then so you can get you and your wife and you know a nice spot next to the window or close to the aisle whatever you prefer mm -hmm. but uh now japan airlines is also indicating if there's an a child being booked into that seat they put a little icon that shows a little toddler in the seat so if you don't want to listen to screaming kids while you're on a eight hour long flight across the pacific you can choose to sit in a different part of the aircraft that's not, you know, near one of those uh, little I love toddlers. It. Now, the little icon, is it like a little poop emoji or something? Or 
<laughs> no, it's a cute little baby, you know, with the little oh. one little wisp of hair. And yeah. yeah, so that's occupying the seat instead of just, you know, a blue seat, meaning well, it's let's full. be it's real showing. Uh, it, it's the, they ought to be, it, it may be a poop emoji, it, but it could become that. And uh, I'll tell you what, I think this is a great idea. I mean, when I schedule my seats, I, I'm an aisle seat guy. I like to, you know, especially on a flight over a couple hours, I want to be on the aisle so I can get up and walk around or get to the restroom whenever I want without bothering the people next to me and stuff like that. I don't really have to have a window, uh, though I, that would be, you know, would be kind of nice too, but I like to be able to get up, you know, like I said, if it's a uh, longer flight, uh, but I also look for an empty seat. In the middle seat, too. I mean, a lot of times they're overfilling them anyway. They fill someone up in there. But yeah, you might get lucky, and they won't put someone in the middle seat. Uh, but I'll tell you what. If I knew there was a baby, oh, hell no. I would definitely book as far away from that kid as possible. Uh, I've went through that whole phase in my life, and I, I don't want to hear screaming kids, let alone smell them. Because yeah, you're going to get one or the two if you're within a row or two. Are you with me on this, Dennis? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, hey, your kids are beautiful. If they're your own, when they're someone else's, you want to be as far away from them as possible, usually. I, you know, I, and it's it's not the kid's fault in many cases. No. I mean, you know, the ears are sensitive. You get the cabin pressure and, you know, that that's all new and scary. And I understand that, but I don't want to sit next to a screaming kid for eight hours. I've done that. Right. And it's not fair. Well, and plus, once again, if if they're in like a carrier and they got them strapped into the seat, it's only a matter of time that they're going to mess themselves and you are going to be the victim. <laughs> you know, it's like sitting right next to the lavatory. You don't, you don't want to Well, be and that car seat's not squi- soft and squishy if you're sitting next to it either. You've got the hard plastic digging into your side if you're uh, slightly larger than the uh, the seat which, you know, they don't exactly have yeah. general seats in between, so you but tend to overflow a little. the smell will get you. You know, as cute as those little critters are. I mean, I ain't going to lie. I have a soft spot for them, too, but I don't want to hear them. I don't want to smell them. I sure as hell don't want to sit next to them. So I think this is a great idea uh, for Japan Airways to set the pace for the rest of the industry. And uh, is this already in effect, or do we know, or is this like a pilot? I, I program? believe it's already in effect. They had screenshots showing uh, showing the reservations with the little baby icon in there. So, All right, I'm, come I'm, on, it looks gang! Like it's available now. Get with the program. This would be just another little, uh, you know, nugget of information that we can make, or that we can put into our planning for travel that might make it a little more enjoyable. All right, we got more to cover on Just Plain Radio. Stay close. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. 
Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. Whether you're a flight student, an experienced pilot, or simply an aviation enthusiast, there is a place for you as a member of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Join AOPA to get the latest general aviation news, safety resources, and technical support you need to sharpen your skills and become a central part of the nation's vibrant general aviation community. Learn more about becoming a member at AOPA.org. That's AOPA.org. Be an explorer in the other two-thirds of your world. Be the buddy who takes the kids in the aquarium instead of just to it. Be adventurous. Be amazed. Be a diver. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. You know that maneuver where you fly straight up until you stall and then pull out of the dive? Uh huh. Can we do that today? Nope. Don't decide now. We'll talk about it. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me, along with Captain Dennis. We're your crew, navigating the latest aviation news and information. Uh, this week, but right now we have one of Dennis's. Well, I don't know. Is he your CFI or, or what? What is he exactly? Well, who is Mike? Yeah, Mike? Mike is one of the CFIs that I work with. He's actually a member of the the flying club that I used to be part of before I got the Mooney, which is how I know him and his father. Okay, and so uh, well, very Mike good. Mike and I have been flying together a lot uh, sure. in the Mooney, getting the CFI done and working on uh, instrument radio, you know, just instrument practice, things like that. Well, Mike Shanks is his name, and he's on Just Plain Radio right now. Mike, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be on. Do you like taking credit for uh, Dennis's uh, position in the aviation industry, or would you prefer, prefer to, you know, avoid that at all costs? You do, I well, guess. you know, that's a, that's a tough <laughs> question there. Yeah. You know, Dennis, he's really earned it on his own. He, okay. Uh, I, I've right. been supplying with him, and uh, Dennis should take all the credit he, uh, for himself on this one. All right. So he's paid you off accordingly. Uh, good. Yeah, absolutely. I'll learn from that. Okay. So, uh, Dennis, he, he was a good flight instructor then, helped you uh, immensely in your, your certified you know, pilot uh, instructor certification or what? Yeah, I don't think my CFI check ride would have gone nearly as smooth if uh, Mike hadn't have uh, already kind of paved the road for me ahead of time. So I kind of knew what to expect by watching him because uh, Mike's been busy building time. He's working on uh, a path to the airlines. And as you know, with the new uh, ATP requirements, you got to have 1500 hours to even get hired. And so how does one build that time? Well, Mike has found many creative ways to do that. And uh, I wanted to bring him on and talk because I'm sure there's other listeners of ours that are in the same situation of, I want to get my ratings. I want to go to the airlines, but 
where the heck do I come up with, you know, 12, 1300 hours of experience in order to get over that, that hurdle? Well, what are you telling Mike? All right. So for me anyway, in, in my experience, um, being a pilot, it, this is kind of, even though I'm relatively young, it's still kind of second, a second career for me. When I started in aviation, I was kind of on the, uh, more of like the desk side of yeah. aviation when oh. I got into the business. And, uh, I've only had a commercial pilot rating for, uh, for about one year. I was saying it was last, uh, October or November, I got my commercial rating. So in about one year's time, I have transitioned, uh, through the ranks of, uh, commercial pilot, flight instructor, um, multiple time building gigs. And, uh, now I'm on to a uh, charter. Wow. So was it, I mean, was this a plan from the start or did you just start doing it? And, and it's like, well, you know, now I'm a, a CFI. Let me go into this commercial side of it. Let me do this next step. I mean, that's kind of what Dennis has been doing. He did. I don't think you really had this goal to become a CFI two years ago. Did you Dennis? Well, you know, I've always had it in the back of my head that I'd like to get my instructors rating, but you know, then it was kind of a challenge that you laid down because you weren't progressing that I kind of joked with you that, you know, I'll probably wind up getting my flight instructor's rating and have to come teach you. Right. So if, if you anything, I, I have to blame you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, whatever I can do. But I mean, what was it uh, the ultimate plan there for you, Mike, or did it, was it just kind of one step and next thing you know, you're doing all this stuff? You know, at the point when I, when I got my commercial rating last year, that's when I was committed. I decided this is what I want to do as a career. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of how I looked at things was, okay, I need to get this commercial rating done. And then whatever comes next is it's all to help build the foundation for my career as a commercial pilot. What was that desk job that you were working, uh, in, in the aviation industry, uh, before you started this whole, you know, in, instructor path? So previously I, I worked in, um, in the public sector, um, in airports, it was, uh, airport operations. I used to be involved in a, uh, a group that managed a terminal building mm. at an airport. Okay. So you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm tired of being a nerd. I want to be a real <laughs> pilot kind of thing. That's what it sounds yeah, like to me. Okay. I'm, I'm tired of flying a desk, right? Yes. You know? <laughs> Aren't we all? It was a great, great job. But you know, do you think we, we, uh, part of it too, it was tough looking out the window every day and, and seeing airplanes take off and land. You know, I was, I was right there and, uh, just kind of always, you know, dreaming about flying one, one day. So absolutely. Now flying is one thing and learning these skills is, is another. But uh, teaching and instructing is a whole nother level because you literally are kind of taking responsibility for someone you're trying to mold into a proper, you know, an effective pilot. Uh, was that uh, hesitant to you to go down that path or did you just start doing like, hey, I love, uh, you know, turning these folks on to something new and, and kind of taking them by the hand or under your wing, so to speak, and, uh, you know, uh, watching them progress. Well, I'll be honest. I think as with like most uh, people that are looking to get into um, commercial piloting, they don't usually become a flight instructor necessarily by choice. It's firstly, usually because it's a time building activity. Mm. There's few jobs available for low time pilots. But what, what's kind of interesting about that is once I started doing it, I decided I, or I discovered rather that I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think that's true of a lot of folks that end up getting into this is, is they realize, well, there's not many jobs that are available to me with low time. Uh, I better become a flight instructor to build my hours, you know, just because I have to, right? Right. And then they get involved in it and they realize, you know, what it's a not joy so it bad. is to... It's I, not so bad. The chances it, of having actually, someone like, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, me as your student are, are like one in 10. 
you know, <laughs> which might have, you know, turned him off to that whole uh, progress. But you had someone like Dennis who was uh, eager and a quick learner and all that kind of stuff that made it a little more pleasant, it sounds like. Uh, do you th- well, I've been really fortunate with my students so far. I mean, honestly, yeah. I think they're the ones that have really kind of, they, they've kept me going through this or, or helped provide a lot of that motivation. Have you had any problem, uh, kids? I mean, I know Dennis well enough. Besides he, me. Yeah. Well, oh, well besides Den- Dennis. Uh, Dennis is easy. I know him well enough. No, he does everything, crosses his T's, dots his I's, oh, does yeah. more than you, you want. He's like, come on, do something I can yell at you about. No, ain't going to happen with Dennis. But have you had any people that are more in line with maybe how I might be as a, a, a student of yours? Well, I've seen all kinds of different, you know, skill levels. Everybody that comes to me that wants to learn how to fly, I mean, they're there for a reason. I mean, they're... I usually, it's not so much that I have to motivate them. I mean, they want to learn how to be a pilot. But on the other hand, I see different skill levels or different learning styles, I think mm-hmm. would be a better way to put it. And uh, we definitely have to adapt to those types of learning styles just to be able to kind of convey whatever we need to, um, especially in the cockpit when we're learning how to fly. I mean, it can be a tense situation. The student can be really task saturated and... Um, Sometimes it can be it can be challenging to get through, you know. Yes. Well, you know, um, I, I'm more of a movie guy. I, I don't like reading. <laughs> you know, you may got to read the books. And, I'll wait for the movie uh, or wait for the autopilot to take over. No, I, I, I kid. I'm not that bad. I once I commit, I'm in. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. People learn differently. Some people need to have video type uh, instruction or hands on uh, the wheel, so to speak, to kind of you know get over that hump. And uh, other people can just kind of absorb it quicker. The young kids are used to all the, you know, Xbox games and simulator stuff. That probably gives them a little head start compared to the older folks like Dennis. Uh, (laughs) I'm not putting me in there, but I'm just saying. Dennis is a quick learner. He is a quick learner. Yes. And he has uh, a roll of 20s. that He slips you just to say good (laughs) things about him. You know, may increase the wheel, so to speak. Look, Mike Shanks. I've never seen any of that yet. Yeah, it. What, what check? What, what are you writing a check, or what are you doing there, Dennis? I keep beer in the fridge. Okay, there's uh, liquid payment. Understood. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Been up around the stratosphere at 31,000 feet. I'm gonna fly on out of here on wings that you can't see. If you're gonna fly high without fear, you're gonna have to learn to love the atmosphere, and you gotta learn to use those wings you can't see. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co pilot, and Captain Dennis rounding out the crew today, and our special guest, Mike Shanks, who is, uh, well, was he your CFI or just like a consultant, Dennis, for you? To, for no, the, actually, Mike's, Mike was my CFI. Between him and his father, uh, the two of them did the bulk of my CFI training. Okay. Um, Mike was my instructor. But he was really just using you to get more hours uh, <laughs> so he could become a, more of a professional. And it's worked out pretty well for you. I guess, right? Yeah, to this point. <laughs> to this point. Yeah, he's not yep. complaining too much uh, yet. But the next step is uh, what for you, Mike? Or where? what are you doing now? Well, so, I, you know, my first commercial pilot job was was as a flight instructor. And started out, actually, I was working for a flight school for a little bit, with the end goal being to complete hours. And 1,500 hours, for those that aren't aware, is that's kind of the minimum requirements right mm-hmm. now to get hired by an airline. Yeah. And that's a tremendous amount of hours. 
when the minimum amount of hours to get your commercial pilot license is only 250. So I think I got mine. I think I had a little over 300 hours when I got my commercial. So as you can imagine, there's, there's a long way to go. There's multiple ways to build hours, definitely. But um, one of the first jobs, like I was saying earlier, is, is uh, as an instructor. Usually people can get on pretty quickly after getting their CFI rating. They can get picked up by a flight school. When I was doing that, I, I realized that um, I wasn't developing hours as high of a rate that I would have liked. So I, I started searching for some other opportunities as well. End up getting into something called pipeline patrol. What is that? So as a pipeline patrol, what we're doing is we're essentially we'll be providing aerial surveillance. For me, it was natural gas lines, um, underground infrastructure where we were flying over these really long routes where the natural gas lines had been buried. And uh, we were protecting that right away. You were actually yeah. playing like bomber. If anyone gets in the way, we're going to take him out. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, mainly we're just taking some pictures, you know. Oh, we're, okay. Uh, All right. Long story short, we were spying on the farmers. Very cool. Way better yeah. than a, flying a desk job. I think you made the right move. Yeah, he's like, he's like into yeah. bond stuff almost. Well, and how many hours a week were you flying, Mike? Wasn't it, you know, 40 to 50 hours a week or more? Usually around 40 plus hours a week. That's a lot of time. You can rack it up that. quick and you'll be a commercial yeah. pilot in no time. Love it. Mike, thanks for the update. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, tolerating uh, Captain Dennis and turning him into a CFI as well. You've done good work, my friend. Maybe it'll filter down to me. Absolutely. Thank right. you. We got more coming up on Just Plain Radio. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. You can't fly. No, but until I can, I have to set up for piloting a plane. Let's do it. Come on, Bernie. You can't ground this eagle. It needs to soar. You know I can do this. We've come this far. Don't you be scared now. Because you can learn to This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot, that's me, Law Captain Dennis. All right, so uh, coming up now, we have a special guest. Now, Dennis, you know these folks because you've been talking to them, what? You saw them at, uh, what is it, AirVenture? Or where, where were you talking well, to these folks at? I've been talking to the folks at Bendix King uh, first at AirVenture um, because they had just purchased uh, TrueTrack, which you recall we talked to Andrew Barker, the uh, the founder of TrueTrack, several months ago, and we're talking to him about his autopilot. Well, apparently he's captured the attention of an industry titan in the form of Bendix King, mm-hmm. and uh, they figured uh, we can't beat him, so we're just going to buy them. Now, the TrueTrack Autopilot's part of the uh, Bendix King universe. And uh, I just actually met with Stephen in person, along with Andrew, at the AOPA Tullahoma Fly-In uh, just a couple weekends ago. I flew down with the Mooney and got to spend the day down there and got to meet both of them in person. So, Well, there you go. Uh, and we got finally- Stephen on the line from Bendix uh, King. And first off, I guess, Stephen, I should apologize for Dennis. <laughs> You know, uh, I mean, we were all kind of sweaty down at Tullahoma, so no need to apologize. We were all in the same boat. Okay. It's a pleasure to be here uh, on the line with you guys today. Absolutely. So what were you guys talking about there, uh, Dennis? Or, or, obviously, you've already talked, and, talked to Stephen about doing something in the Mooney, which is what? 
what we've been looking at is, you know, what are the options to to basically complete the panel upgrade that we started over a year ago? As as most of you, the listeners know, we replaced the uh, original Bendix King KX170B, you know, antique radios with nice new shiny Avidyne uh, movie maps and, you know, really modernized the panel. But we still have a few legacy pieces in there, and that's uh, the autopilots and, of course, the the six-pack with the, the vacuum-driven gyros. And so... You know, Bendix has really got some very interesting uh, new products. They just announced their uh, AeroView displays that are uh, STC'd and available to install, so it could actually have a a, a complete glass cockpit. And uh, uh, more importantly, for me at least right now, is uh, the TrueTrack Autopilot's now what the Aero Cruise is it the official brand name for that, Stephen. Correct. Yeah. So the TrueTrack Vision systems are under the Aero Cruise One Hundred. Um, autopilot, and those are the, for the certified, and then the, the Vision 385s, which were the experimental version, uh, those are coming into Bendix King as the X-Cruise 100. What I was talking to Andrew about is, you know, which, you know, how do we proceed? You know, obviously, if money was no object, we would just go and throw him a check and buy everything, but, you know, we started talking about what makes sense, uh, you know, as far as, you know, with the Avidines I have in now, probably makes a lot of sense right now to just do the autopilot and then maybe add on later, but there was just a lot of uh, interesting things that have come out of that discussion. Bendix King has got a new avionics financing program that they're making available too, where they can roll the install costs and the radios and everything into one low, low monthly payment, which starts to look really attractive instead of uh, shelling out, you know, large, uh, large checks. And well, what, how, how big of uh, checks are we talking about, Stephen? When it comes down to the pricing, I mean, with the TrueTrack products, TrueTrack has been um, an industry leader for affordability, and Bendix King has no plans to change that. So for those autopilots, you're looking at a low cost of $5,100 for the certified version. That includes the STC. That's going to be two servos, install kit, and the control head. So when it comes down to the entire cost of what you're looking at, um, my understanding is, you know, maybe 30 hours of labor, you could be sitting with a brand new autopilot in your airplane for under $10,000, which is a great price. That if you is ask excellent. anybody out there. Yeah, because you were talking uh, at least, what, double that? Just the head unit alone was going to be over 12000 and I would still have to install an additional servo, so there'd be more labor there. And even to try to fix my existing autopilot, you know, since the altitude hold's not been that uh, stable, uh, just the cost of sending the servo out and the labor is getting to be close to the cost of just the hardware from the TrueTrack system. And then I would have a new system that's warranted with new state-of-the-art brushless uh, servos and things like that instead of, you know, 30-year-old technology. Stephen Pierce is our guest from uh, BendixGang.com, by the way. You can check him out online. Uh, you come across a lot of people where they got to do this type of upgrade, and that's the, the market or niche you're trying to go after right now, Stephen, or what? Absolutely. And so when we look at that Aero Cruise 100, that price point is incredibly attractive for a lot of folks who are either um, having an old system, maybe they just had a wing leveler or something like that in their airplane to begin with, um, or who are looking for like a much larger safety upgrade or something like that. Because when it comes to the autopilot, those are considered as one of the um, probably top one or two things that you can do to kind of increase your safety of flight and decrease some of your tax saturation during some of those critical phases. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of people who are looking just in Dennis's space. And the folks with Mooney, 
they have been waiting long and very patiently, and we are coming very close to being able to offer them um, the autopilot. We actually had a great webinar uh, just actually yesterday, no, day before yesterday, um, on uh, just exactly that, what kind of STCs are coming down the pipe, um, where we are with some of the design approvals and things like that for the autopilot. But you know, like I said, for under $10,000 to have virtually full in-flight capability uh, on an autopilot, it's just uh, it's really setting a new industry standard. Now, is it just like a, a flat system, like, okay, you're getting this new autopilot by Bendix King, this is what it is, or are there little, like, modules and upgrades that you can add to it to, you know, obviously affect the price a little bit, but uh, maybe you have a, an option where, you know, when you put the autopilot on, you know, auto pops up and inflates kind of like in the airplane movies. You don't have anything like that, right? No, nothing quite like that, um, and we are looking for future to be able to add, like, yaw damper and things along those lines, which were offered in the experiment experimental version of the autopilot, but not for the certified. So with Benix King Resources now behind some of TrueTrack's engineering, uh, we're hoping to be able to bring that to life for the certified folks who are looking to have a more full-functioning autopilot. What do you think, Dennis? Is this uh, a winner for you or what? It certainly is because, you know, right now by upgrading the autopilot, I instantly gain the, the safety and, you know, reduce a lot of my task load for single pilot IFR. And no matter what I decide to go with for a glass solution, it'll easily be able to interface to that. So I'm not committing myself down to, you know, if I go with Aspen, well, then I need to get a converter box to talk to my old autopilot. This just makes a whole lot of sense, and it it really future-proofs the whole panel. Has this been like a major project for uh, years that you guys have been working on, Stephen? Or is this just something that you said, hey, we saw this need and we went after it and developed it in the last few months? This takes a lot of planning, I'm guessing, doesn't it? I can't really speak to the acquisition piece, um, but in terms of, I know from Andrew's point of view, when he became the sole owner of TrueTrack, that was for the sole purpose virtually of certifying the Vision Autopilot to be able to sell that into the certified market. So in terms of that, we are just leveraging his years of expertise and vision uh, coming over into the Benix King organization around that Vision Autopilot, which is now the the Aerocruise. What do you see uh, next for Bendix King? I mean, I've been flying for 30 years. I've got posters behind me that show, you know, the the Sporties cockpit panels. I've got fully loaded Bendix King Silver Crown avionics. You know, that was the gold standard for many, many years. What's next with uh, Bendix King? I know there was some announcements about your AeroView Touch glass replacement. Can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, how that would work for my Mooney and potentially for other people that are flying Cessna Skyhawks and Cardinals and things like that? Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the Cessna because we actually just, along with that announcement, announced an upgrade program for the Cessna 172s and 182s. And being able to sit in the cockpit of our own company 182 that was just completely redone with the AeroView Touch, new set of engine monitors, a KI-300, the two AeroNav units, 910 and an 800. Uh, the panel just absolutely looks beautiful. And just focusing in on the one piece of equipment there, which is the AeroView Touch, the way that we went around and looked at that, it's kind of like a single integration point for a lot of things. A lot of people want to be able to see that data clearly represented on a screen directly in front of them. And so we're looking at the major things. That is a full six-pack replacement. You're also getting a near 4K resolution screen 
uh, which is the highest resolution screen on the market. So that, that means I'm going to be able to watch uh, Avatar in high res while I'm in cruise flight then? Yeah, I mean, if we had a 3D <laughs> capability, it would be a beautiful thing to watch uh, you know, some Avatar in 3D. But unfortunately, you aren't going to be able to do that safety of flight issue. There, I would have to say, Dennis. But when it comes to watching weather and traffic and terrain, it's definitely going to be the clearest picture that you're going to be able to possibly have. The more detail, the better. I love it. Uh, BendixKing.com. You can go there and check them out online and find out about these products that they currently have and where it's going in the future. Stephen, thank you so much for being on Just Plain Radio. We appreciate the update, my friend. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, and hopefully we get to see you at some more shows and get some Bendix King equipment in your Mooney soon. We'll make it happen. We got more coming up on Just Plain Radio. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Be an explorer in the other two-thirds of your world. Be the buddy who takes the kids in the aquarium instead of just to it. Be adventurous. Be amazed. Be a diver. For nearly 75 years, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association has been a beacon for those who cherish the freedom to fly. AOPA protects your rights as a pilot by fighting airspace restrictions, fuel taxes, user fees, airport closings, and other issues that threaten your ability to take to the sky. AOPA is on the front lines every day to ensure that general aviation and the interests of its members are promoted and safeguarded. Learn more about how you can become a member at AOPA.org. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. You are now clear for takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. The flight situation. Simple. There's no way on earth we're going to get out of here tonight. <laughs> We'd have more luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks than we will get the flight out of here before it's daybreak. I'm going to fly. I'm going to fly. I'm going to fly. Hi there. Bob Hoover here. You are listening to Just Plain Radio. Here's Greg, your co-pilot, and some other folks. Ah, yes, the late, great Bob Hoover, close personal friend. He said hi to me once. 
uh, years ago. What a nice guy. And, you know, they got an awesome award in his honor now that they've been uh, doing for a few years. And we have the uh, the name of this year's recipient, and that is who, Dennis? It is Lee Lauterbach. Of course. Lee Lauterbach yeah. is uh, Mr. Mustang, as he's affectionately known in the Warbird community, because he is the one pilot that has the most time in the P-51 Mustang of anyone, well, including Bob Hoover. And the fact that he was actually a close personal friend of Bob Hoover just makes this uh, this award even that much more appropriate. You know, Lee has done a lot to promote general aviation, warbirds, safety, and, you know, and just he's an all-around great guy. I mean, Austin and I actually got to meet him at Sun and Fun a couple of years ago. And during the middle of the night air show, he actually went and let Austin go sit in the cockpit of the airplane. You know, he's just, just a great guy and always willing to help out. So well, definitely in the line the of uh, Bob Hoover. Cause I remember when I met Bob, you know, I, I didn't really know everything about him other than I knew he was a legend and I went up to him, started talking to him and he was just super gracious and he didn't care that I didn't really know everything about him at the time. And then when I went and told Ed and Keith, I just uh, had a little, nice little chat with Bob Hoover. They just, their jaws hit the floor. They're like, you spoke to who? Where the hell were we? You lucky SOB. And, and you know, I, I, I did, I felt lucky at the time, but even after I did it and I realized, gosh, this guy is like, he's like a legend. And I, I didn't really know as much about him until after I spoke to him. But he was so gracious. He, he had no ego, no none whatsoever. And he, he even talked to me. What does that tell you? That he obviously didn't know my background either. He didn't know about the restraining <laughs> order, apparently. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, good stuff. All right. Now, uh, there is a, you know, an editorial that I saw on AOPA.org that I wanted to bring up before we wrap it up today about teaching stalls. You know, yeah, yeah. Slow down the power, tip the nose up a little bit, uh, fly slow, and, and then you know when you hear the horn go off in your Cessna one seventy two or whatever, and you pitch down, you go, and we have to do this training maneuver as part of our private pilot certificate. And uh, this article uh, by Ian uh, on AOPA dot org says we're teaching this all wrong. Because that never happens in the real world. They hardly ever have accidents of, of uh, slow fi- flight stalls like we teach in private pilot instruction. And I think his no, point what winds was, up happening is, you know, you get the pilot that's coming into the pattern and he's, uh, you know, coming in for that landing. He overshoots the final and he hauls back on the yoke to crank the nose around and boom, accelerated stall spin at, you know, less than 500 feet. That's is, what catches people off guard. Not, exactly. Not a slow, stable, gradual slowdown that you can see coming from a half a mile away, you know? Mm-hmm. And so his point was, we need to rethink this. We're not training uh, for stalls properly. This this skill that we, we teach in private pilot instruction is just is not really applicable so much in the real world. Maybe we still teach it, but you got to teach other things like side stalls or whatever. But but the caveat to that is you being a CFI yourself now is that if I was your student and I was like, okay, let's do some side stalls or, I don't know, uh, different types of uh, situations where you could go into a stall, uh, that creates a, a more of a, uh, an insurance issue. For putting well, it, it's definitely riskier for things. me. Well, yeah, you, if I'm flying, you're taking a, a low time pilot and you know intentionally putting them into a situation where the airplane is you know having a loss of control, which is the definition of a stall. Right. 
uh, you know, you, you need to be careful. But I think you, the, there's a lot of truth to this article because when do you first see an accelerated stall in your training? You know, meaning you put the airplane into a 45 degree bank turn and pull back until you get the stall horn. You don't t- cover that until a commercial training. Yeah, I was going to well, say, I haven't many, done that, at least not on purpose. No. <laughs> and, and so how many private pilots are out there that have never experienced how quickly a stall can happen in a 45 degree bank turn? And if you're, you know, if you're out uh, with your private pilot license someday and you're circling over the house and showing off and, oh, I got to tighten it up because I'm getting too close. Would you even recognize that you're getting into a point where you could be inducing a stall at low speed and at low altitude? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, if you don't have the experience, have never seen, yeah. right? You don't know what it's supposed to look like or feel like until you you do it necessarily. I mean, you kind of have the numbers in your head. I, I kind of came close to that on one of my first solo flights where they told me to do a three sixty at the final. Remember that story? And right. I was and now you know why that's so dangerous, right? Yes. Well, I knew it at that time because when I had it in a bank and I was doing this 360, I'm looking at the ground going, gosh, that ground is awfully close. I am not letting the engine go down. I am giving it more throttle and I'm like looking down over my right shoulder going, whoa, hey, now, okay, you keep going, plane. And but I, that's not even the problem. If you would have pulled back a little bit harder, you know, how fast were you going when you started that turn? Were you at 60, 65? Well, you put it in a 45-degree bank, and your stall speed may have dropped down to as low as maybe 45. Well, I was watching the uh, uh, altimeter, uh, uh, you know, religiously, because I was like, make sure you don't lose any altitude. Whatever you do, make sure we have full throttle. Go, 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 go. Because, uh, like I said, I just look over my right shoulder, and I'm tipped up, and I'm like, wow, the ground is really close. <laughs> but that, you know, that was one of those things that just happened to me. And then, you know, uh, my flight instructor didn't necessarily give me an airfoil, but gave the tower an airfoil for telling me to do that. And I listened to him. I didn't know any better at the time. But I've told that story. Been there, done that. But yeah, you know, uh, that, that actually probably drilled home a couple points. First of all, I'm the pilot in command. Don't do what the tower tells me every time. He's like, I got the final say. That was the main point. But the second one is, now I know what it looks like. And God forbid, I don't want to be in that scenario again, that close to a stall. So there. Well, I learned something. Maybe we got to incorporate that into our training. Read up on it at AOPA.org. That's it for this week. Till next time, remember, there's no better high than learning to fly. Just Plane Radio is brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. It's the only way to be sure. Just Plane Radio is a production of Overboard Entertainment Incorporated. But just plain wrong. Remember, you can listen live or to archives of past shows worldwide over the internet at JustPlaneRadio.com. I'm going to leave my people up to the radio tower. So tell a friend and take off every week with Just Plane Radio. And I'm going to make a call. The show devoted exclusively to fly and the aviation lifestyle. Listen up, everybody. Nice news. The opinions you just heard on Just Plane Radio are those of the hosts, callers, and guests. We are screwed. They are not necessarily those of any station or network, its management, or advertisers. A little too far. Cross the line. There are many factors to consider before learning to fly. What is your problem? So make sure you do your own research and get the proper instruction before your exploration into aviation. Thank you very much, sir. Have any questions or comments? Feel free to do so via the web at JustPlaneRadio.com.